This is all theater. This is all just political theater. Political theater. Political theater. Pure political theater. Theater. Political theater. The nefarious, significant, and protracted political, political, political theater for political theater's sake. I yield back. From Washington, this is Political Theater. Roll Call's review of the spectacle of politics on Capitol Hill and across the country. I'm Jason Dick. Matthew Heineman is one of the preeminent documentary filmmakers working, and his movies have provided ground-level views of the world not available to very many people, such as drug cartels in Mexico, journalists working in the Syrian civil war, and COVID wards in New York in the early days of the pandemic. His latest project, Retrograde, captures the U.S. withdrawal in Afghanistan last year and the ensuing fallout among the Afghan military personnel who were left to fight the Taliban. Matt, welcome back to Political Theater. Thanks for having me. So I think maybe the good place to start is explain the title, Retrograde, because it works on a couple of different levels uh, with the topic of the U.S. withdrawal in 2021. So the, the literal interpretation of retrograde is it's a military term, which I didn't know going to this film, uh, for, for leaving a war zone, um, retrograding a war zone. And obviously that's, in, in fact, what we see in the film two months into our in bed with a team of uh, U.S. Army Green Berets on the last deployment to Afghanistan, President Biden decided to obviously pull out our troops, and they "quote unquote" retrograded the the war zone and and left. And so that's you know that's the literal literal interpretation of the of the title. And what this entails too is, I mean, there is as you said, there's a procedure for this. You know, Biden was sort of going with the, you know, something that had been in sort of placed on the front burner by former President Donald Trump, who had negotiated that there, the U.S. would withdraw, and Biden followed through on it, ending our the longest war in American history. But what this kind of means too is. They can't, I think actually one of the Green Braves even says, we can't take it with us. And so you have scenes of them taking a sledgehammer to computers, burning paper documents, blowing up ammunition, anything that they can't take with them in, in terms of equipment, and probably some that they could, they just literally destroy. Yeah. I mean, I, I, again, I don't, we didn't know what this would look like uh, going into it, but, but it obviously it's quite shocking to see the sort of the metaphor and, and the literal imagery of of, <laughs> of this process of, of as you said, sledgehammering computers and blowing up ammunition, and you know, I, I don't, I think they did it with 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 great reticence, obviously, especially the ammunition, because you know, the lack of ammunition was was one of the myriad of reasons why the Afghan army, um, you know, lost the Taliban. There's thousands of reasons why they did. Um, but, you know, as we see in the film, you know, they were very much lacking resources and, and ammunition. And, you know, that ammunition obviously could have helped uh, that that fight obviously might not have changed the, the outcome. Um, but, but by the end of the film, you know, the the, the, the sad reality of, of, of that ammunition just being destroyed in a desert uh, is, is quite apparent. Yeah. And I, I was struck by it too, because it's not like this was an operation where we were working with some guerrilla fighters who just had AK-47s and we didn't have the right matching ammunition. I mean, we had, we, for the most part, have stood up the Afghan military over the last 20 years. Their equipment is is known to us um, at one point when we'll get to uh, General uh, uh, Sami Sadat and, and his, who's the Afghan military commander that you're with. 
Uh, but he's like, he's arguing with like how to get, you know, ammunition for the weapons that were supplied for the most part by the U.S. that we previously saw getting blown up, as you said, in the middle of the desert. Certainly. I mean, yeah. And obviously I'm, I'm on your show, which is it's politically focused. I, I, I have to say, though, you know, the, the, the purpose of the film is, is not a examination of, of what went wrong or how we got here or who's at fault. Um, like most of my films, it's trying to take these, this, these large amorphous subjects, the drug war in Mexico, ISIS in Syria, COVID, what, you know, in this case, obviously the war in Afghanistan and trying to humanize it, to try to put a human face to it. Um, and, and for a conflict that feels so distant, that feels so far away to try to make it feel a bit closer and to try to create an empathetic connection between, you know, our audience and, and, and these, you know, these people in this conflict that, that feels so, so distant. Um, especially now uh, in sort of marketing the movie, now the movie's out, obviously the, the war in Ukraine has, has usurped so much of the sort of oxygen in, in international news uh, you know, rightly so. It's an incredibly important story, um, but we seem to have forgotten uh, this war in Afghanistan and the people in this country that we left behind. And so, I hope, amongst other things, this film, you know, reinvigorates a conversation uh, around this. Yeah, and and I would I would say too that that it is not, as you said, it is not a political film. Uh, it does show consequences, though, of political decisions. You know that that you know. President Biden, you know, whether you uh, agree or disagree, you know, uh, with the decision that he made, he did make a decision that was probably, you know, very, I wouldn't say it's easy to put off because so much money and so many lives and, uh, and, and there are so many consequences to it over the last 20 years. But Biden made a decision, right or wrong. And then first the Green Berets and the, and the U.S. military presence have to deal with that. And then, you know, it's pretty you know, soon in the movie, there's a quick, um, you know, it's an hour and a half long, so it's hard not to think in act one, act two, act three, but like at the end of act one, you know, they leave and the Afghans are left to, to deal with what now. And, and that, that sort of consequence, again, beyond the politics of the decision, I mean, there is tracer fire at night, you know, that they have to deal with. And, and just, to, I, I, I gotta say that the sounds, uh, that, that populate this, your, your film, are are haunting because so much of it is the sound of war. I mean, you have so many, you know, you're you're so good visually with focusing on people in these dire situations and putting a human face on it. But then they're surrounded by just the sounds of war, which are equally as sort of mesmerizing and terrifying. Yeah, I mean, I think the obviously a huge part of the second act is, is this sort of baton handoff from, from when the Green Braves leave to, to now spending time with General Sammy Sadat, um, who is working with the Green Braves, who is in charge of Helmand province in southern Afghanistan. Um, and, you know, we pivot the story to focus on, on him and embed with him and his men um, as they fight to stave off the Taliban. Through the course of the second act of the movie, obviously, you know, that the, the reality of the Taliban winning and taking over becomes, you know, ever more clear. And you, you literally and figuratively feel their presence closing in on us uh, to this, you know, the, the end of the second act when, you know, General Sadat is literally on a, on a fence, you know, a sniper bullet flies over our heads as they're, you know, upon us. And, you know, yeah, very much a sense of, of, 
of of them closing in and then obviously ultimately winning. And and you know, a huge part of the narrative tension in the movie is, you know, every metaphorical neon sign uh, was telling General Stott, stop, give up, surrender, you're going to lose, this is over. And his unwavering belief, both in himself and his men, that maybe, just maybe, if they held on to Helmand or Lashkarga, that, that the country could hold together and they could win this war. And he, and he had that belief up until the final moments. And, and he, you know, it, it is this incredible portrait of somebody who is, is literally under fire uh, from, from, you know, like the Taliban. But then, you know, as we alluded to earlier, like so, he was cut off from so many supplies, from ammunition and so forth. And he'll be on the phone, you know, as bullets are flying, you know, saying, I, I can't take this anymore. You've got, I can't fight the Taliban and the administration. I need ammunition. I need fuel. I mean, he'll be on the line with like a helicopter pilot who says like, well, we can't complete the mission because we're out of fuel and we have to land somewhere. And then they don't know where they landed. And it's just this, uh, it's kind of a nightmare. I mean, you're living this nightmare um, of, of just like, I mean, we're all familiar with being under deadline and the pressure that like not being able to do your work. And this is like, you're under deadline and under pressure to do your work and people are trying to kill you. You know, I mean, like it, it's, it's such a, it's hard to overemphasize how stressful the, the stress that was, uh, these folks were under. And as you said, we kind of, you know, w- once August came, once July and August came, we kind of let it go out of the public mind, even though that's when we did see the the administration, the Biden's poll numbers go down, but we weren't, there just weren't that many people like yourself on the ground. Uh, and it became this thing that, that, you know, we weren't chronicling anymore. Well, and, and certainly, you know, after the, you know, final plane took, took off, it really, you know, dissipated from the general discourse. Um, but yeah, no, I, I mean, I think the, the, the end of the, the war and, 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 and the sort of final act of the film at the airport was, was really one of the most tragic things I've, I've ever filmed in, in my career. You know, I filmed a lot of sad things. I filmed a lot of sensitive things. I filmed a lot of emotional things. But never in my life have I ever cried while filming. Um, and that scene at the Abbey Gate, you know, with thousands of Afghan civilians and, and you know, American and NATO partners desperately trying to flee um pleading with papers with documentation and being and you can tell the troops too are like i don't want to push this person off the wall into what is it a moat that they're in i mean like i mean it's it's, it's a four-foot sewage ditch yeah and you have these 18 year old you know marines who many of whom weren't even alive during when the twin towers fell and then you have the taliban sitting 100 yards away watching us at gunpoint and then you have ISIS circling around with suicide vests waiting to attack, which they did 12 hours later in the very spot that we were filming in. And I just had tears streaming down my face. And all I could think about was, you know, what have we done here? Yeah. And it's, I, I think that's the question that is continues. I mean, it's hard to separate this from the politics of it, the, the consequences, because so much went, this occupied such a, a so much of our attention for so many years and for it to end like this, you know, it brings up questions of like, why, what, what happened? Like, why did it feel so sudden? Um, Were, 
were the was the administration prepared for this? Um, I mean, and and just the human the the level of human suffering and the level of danger is it's hard to again it's hard to overstate it. I mean, where I mean, you you, you were you know at, at the end you you do in the wrap up like. Um, uh, title cards and so forth. And, and one of them was, you know, the, about the suicide bombing that killed so many people, uh, at, at the airport gate, you were, were you not there at that point? I mean, were you, were you safe from that or was that? So we, we were literally filming that exact same spot, you know, 12 or so hours earlier. Um, but we had, we had just departed when that, when that happened. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was, it was a, those, the last few days, were yeah some of the most difficult moments I've ever filmed, um, and we actually we didn't know that that would be part of the film. You know, basically in mid August we decided to go back and 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 shoot what we thought would be the final chapter with General Sadat, and pundits experts were saying it'd be up to six months, maybe two to three weeks. You know, no one really knew how long the Afghan army would would, would stave off the Taliban. By the time we got to Dubai to fly to Kabul. Um, things were starting to fall really rapidly and we took off for Kabul and as we descended into the valley, the pilot got on the intercom and said, um, we can't land. There's a plane on the tarmac. We were so low that our phones started to ping, 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 ping. And we got all these news alerts that the Taliban had taken over Kabul and that that plane on the tarmac was president Ghani fleeing, um, and so we were forced to go back to the pilots who scared to land. We were forced to go back to Dubai. And I was just sitting there in the airport in Dubai at the hotel thinking this is the greatest journalistic and, you know, filmmaking failure in my career. We had spent eight months building this story to this tragic historic day. Our main, you know, main participant in the film, General Sadat, is sitting at the center of it all. And we're sitting in a hotel watching it on TV. And it just was, it was so much self-loathing. And then basically spent every waking hour trying to figure out how to sneak back into the country, which we did several days later. Um, but by that time, General Sadat had been forced to flee. And so with every failure comes an opportunity. With every door that closes, the door opens. And the door that this opened for us was, was metaphorically opening up the aperture of the storytelling to see the civilians that General Sadat had been fighting for, to see the civilians that the Green Braves had been fighting for. And, and, you know, we made this decision when we landed, my, my colleague Tim and I, who, were, you know, both of us were shooting, to sort of leave the wire, to leave the airport, not knowing whether we'd be able to get back in, not knowing whether we'd be able to get on a flight. And, you know, one of the first things that we filmed was actually this, this large Taliban meeting at the Polytechnic Institute, um, which was obviously unbelievably surreal uh, to be in that room with, with all the senior leadership of the Taliban um, after spending the past previous several months getting shot at by them um, to be suddenly in the, in the room with them was quite surreal. I actually, I'm glad you brought that up because I was going to ask you about that, about that last, you know, sort of section where you're in, in the room um, in, you know, again, like, Taliban, not exactly the most friendly towards Western journalists, uh, towards Western values in, in general. What, I mean, just being able to get in there, were, you know, were you, 
were you able to get in with like without any problem without being hassled? I mean, or is this something that somebody invited you in? Or I mean, I was just wondering, like, holy cow! Like, I didn't see this coming. Uh, that, that again, like you said, there would be this this turnaround where you go from being, I mean, within inches of bullets, you know, coming near your head uh, in in at the the uh, governor's house when you that scene that you mentioned with General Sadat to being in the this sort of pep rally for the Taliban afterwards, you know. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's it's not that sexy a story, to be honest. Basically, you know, some some journalist colleagues of ours told us about this meeting. We we drove up, we asked them if we could film, and they said yes, and we walked in. Um, it wasn't much more complicated than that. Obviously, it was you know, having spent most of my conscientious adult life here about the Taliban, reading about the Taliban, being shot at by the Taliban, it just was really surreal. And you know, we started out quite timidly, like getting these wide shots from the back, and then started to move closer and I was like, okay, well, if I'm shooting from the side of the stage, I might as well get on the stage and, you know, got closer and closer and closer and shooting that scene. But, um, yeah, I mean, by the, you know, by the end of this film, we essentially have all the major stakeholders of this war, the, you know, uh, the U S military, the Afghan military, the Afghan civilians and the Taliban, um, not with equal proportion, obviously. Um, but by the end of the film, we sort of at least have a window into all the different viewpoints. Yeah, and and again, uh, you know, it's it's not a it's not a narrative film, you know, where I'm worried about spoiler alerts. I mean, General Sadat does is able to get his his family, he and his family out after basically being like President Gotti just sort of like you know threw him a hot potato and said like, hey, guess what? You're in charge of security, and then the next thing. Sadat knows is that he's, you know, the, the president is gone. Uh, I didn't realize that there was this proximity to your plane landing and, and Ghani's, you know, sort of uh, uh, getting out of the country and, and how, just how like quick, uh, you know, a thing it was, but um, you know, he, and you, and you follow also Sadat to London too, where he's, you know, trying to reorganize and, and again, to not to, not to be too much of a downer, but like, I, I mean, it, talk about a Herculean task. If he couldn't do it with tanks and helicopters in Afghanistan, I don't know if he's going to be able to do it in, you know, where, whatever, you know, area outside, you know, London he is in exile. Yeah. I mean, certainly his, his, his desire to, uh, to sort of take his country back is, is, um, is a, is a tall task to, 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 you know, it's and even he recognizes it's 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 years, um, if if at all possible. Um, you know, I think that the Afghan people are are really tired of fighting. Um, you know, they just want peace, even if it's you know under the Taliban. Um, so you know, to really take back the country will require, um, you know, I think the will of the Afghan people to get behind him. And this insurgency, um, what, you know, which may be possible down down the line, but I think it will require the Taliban to really uh, make life absolutely miserable for for the average uh, Afghan. And and obviously, you know, right now it's it's it is it's quite it's quite bad. It's really tragic. I mean, we are back to where we were twenty years ago. Girls can't go to school. Women can't go outside without their faces covered. Uh, you know, the economy is in free fall. Foreign aid is basically non-existent. Um, and, you know, all of our Afghan partners uh, who, who weren't able to get out are living in fear. Uh, they're still being hunted by the Taliban. 
many of them are, are sort of living in safe houses or, or underground. Um, it's, it's really terribly sad that, you know, there's still thousands and thousands and thousands of Afghan, excuse me, American partners um, that, that are left behind uh, living in fear every day. And, and again, I think the strength of what, you know, the way that you approach your work is that that th- those human faces, quite literally the human faces, what people are going through, the struggles that they're going through, th- that's what comes through in this film. This is not a, um, there isn't, there is, there, I mean, people talk in this film, but there are, it is not a talking head film. It is not a dry recitation of like what went wrong. It's a, um, the ramparts are being over, <laughs> overtaken and, and people are, are desperately trying to get out. So I, I think it, it, that, that part of it is something that we don't see as much, I think, uh, in sort of our debriefing, if you will, of, of human tragedies like this. And it, and it made it more important, as you said, because we have another war that's taken over the world's attention, uh, at least in, in terms of headlines and where they invest a lot of journalism. So I wouldn't consider this a journalistic failure <laughs> of, of your own. I know you're, you're, you hold yourself to high standards, but the, the way that you portray what happened with these folks and, and, and again, this is about consequences uh, from on a, on a myriad of levels. It's a pretty impressive, um, it's a pretty impressive project. Well, I, I, I appreciate it. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think the, the holding on faces and, and the emphasis of, of faces was, was definitely a motif that we developed and thought about while, while shooting. It wasn't just sort of imprinted in the edit room. Um, you know, it's, and it's a consequence of not speaking Dari or Pashtu. You know, when, when you're shooting in a foreign language, you are forced to shoot based on emotion. You're forced to shoot based on reaction shots. You know, you don't, you're not chasing dialogue like you often do when you're shooting in English. And so, you know, and faces don't lie. People lie. Um, and so it's, it's very much a motif from the beginning of the movie, even starting with the, with the Green Braves, you know, being in the room with them as they hear about the news from that Biden is, you know, pulling them out, you know, their faces speak more than a three hour interview could ever speak about how they feel about this decision. And, um, and again, as you point out, this decision began with, with president Trump years ago. Um, and it was obviously enacted by Biden. Um, but, but, and, you know, and then this motif lasts all the way into the final shot of the movie with a young woman sitting at the fence uh, desperately trying to get out and, and we hold on our face for 36 seconds and you know she writes a novella of, of what she fe- what she's feeling at the time without any words um, you know it runs the gamut of the human emotional experience um, from fear trepidation to strength to um, almost resignation knowing what what's to come um, because certainly w- while the movie ends, the story hasn't ended uh, for for the people of Afghanistan and especially all those people desperately trying to flee. So, um, you know, that's that's the hard thing about making these films is, you know, you stop, but but obviously the story continues uh, for those who are most impacted. And, you know, in, 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 in conflicts and war zones, it's always civilians who are most impacted by these geopolitical de- decisions made by people far, far away, uh, in white houses or white buildings, um, and you know, they're the ones who, who bear the bear the brunt of the consequences of these these decisions. And so, highlighting that was was really important to me. 
Should mention too that this is a Nat Geo film, comes out this week, starts streaming this week on Nat Geo, and then like a little wider release, I think, with is it Disney? Uh, like later on? On Friday, it'll be on um, National Geographic, the channel, and then it'll be streaming uh, the next day on Disney Plus, and then the following day on Hulu. All right. Well, Matt, thank you for your time. Uh, r- really appreciate uh, you uh, talking about the, the project and, and coming back uh, again uh, to political theater. It's always a pleasure to talk to you uh, about your work. Thanks for having me. And thank you for listening to Political Theater. Uh, if you have liked this podcast, please rate us on iTunes and all that other stuff you're supposed to do for podcasts. Uh, subscribe to us and our newsletter on rollcall.com. And thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.